Your presence is heaven to me. Hallelujah. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your faithfulness. You've blessed us all year long. Taking us through another holiday season. And God, we're just so grateful for the outpouring of your spirit in this place. We thank you, God, that all that we desired you have fulfilled because your presence is heaven to us. We thank you now, God, for the year 2020, 2021, the year where you will show yourself able to overturn everything that the enemy has attempted to steal. So God, we proclaim and we announce that this is the year of restitution. This is the year of change. And God, that change begins with me. So we begin to focus in today, Lord, on your goodness and your mercy. And we believe that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or ask. So God, we ask that you would change us from the inside so that it's reflected on the outside. Do it for your glory, Lord. And we'll continue to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It is my heartfelt prayer that you had a wonderful Christmas. That you were able to receive everything that you deserve. Amen. <laughs> if you have your Bibles this morning, as folk would say, I'm back to normal. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. We just look at two verses. We're going to talk about more than that, but these two will tell us what the message is all about. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So my thought for today is, God is what love is. God is what love is. Amen. I want to begin by, uh, you be seated, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting carried away. 
I want to begin by saying that love, as we know from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. When we look at love, the Bible says love is the key, joy is the singing, peace is love resting, long-suffering is love enduring, kindness is love's touch, goodness is love's character, faithfulness is love's habit, gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding the reins, keeping me back. And evidence of the new birth is also love, as we find in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 29. The Bible says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So the Bible says that there are three reasons that we ought to demonstrate love. One, because love is the nature of God. If we look at chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love, uh, well, we just read it to you, so I won't read that one again. The second reason the Bible says is because God loved us we have, and therefore, we have experienced love. See, our love is not a common love. It's a love built on relationship. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. See, it's not some kind of fly by night. This ain't a one night stand. This is real love. Amen. You got to see me next week. Kind of love. Amen. The Bible says, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might, watch this, live through him. So it's not just knowing, but living through him. Amen. The Bible says in verse 10, in this love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. The third reason that love must be developed is because if we continue to love one another, love then becomes perfected in us. Verse 12 says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Can I tell you just how important that 12th verse is? The reason that verse is so important, look at what it says. It says nobody has seen God. So the only way you're going to be able to see the Lord, no matter how many times we sing that song, you must see me. Amen. Amen. But it gets better. The Bible says that, look, look at this. If we love one another, if we love one another, God abides in us. 
Look at the connection there. You have to love one another in order for God to stay with you. Love is what causes him to take up residence in us. And the Bible goes one step further. It says that he not only abides in us, but the Bible says that his love is perfected in us. And what does that mean? That means that love is perfected by experience. The more I practice, the better I get at it. Are y'all a little slow this morning? We're going to get there. Amen. So we think about love. Love is not gazing into one another's eyes. No, you can tell what love is. Love is gazing outward together, seeing the same thing. Amen. Amen. So our relationship with God is demonstrated and it's attained when Christians love each other. If love is from God, then there is no option. Here's a problem for saints. If love is from God and we're born of God, then we don't have a choice as to whether we honor the command to love. Amen. We must love one another. Since God is love and absence of love in our lives reveals an absence of fellowship with God. Now, so what that tells me is that when we're having difficulties in getting along with one another, it's because we're not spending any time with God. Can I tell that side over here? <laughs> if, you're not having, if you're having difficulties getting along with folk, it's because you're having difficulties spending time with God. You're not praying. You're not studying. Come on, you're not seeking his face. Amen? And the Bible goes on to teach us that uh, this is an indication that you don't really know him. You know about him, but you don't know him. There is no personal relationship. I'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to show you something else. The Bible says this. It says that uh, we, we have to understand if we know the character of God, God does not hate. Let me tell you, there's some things he hates, but there are no people he hates. Why is that? Because God would not hate what he made. How do we know that? The Bible says that he made it how? Good. And he blessed it. So if he made it, it can't be something that he would hate. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 says this. It says that you... <clears throat> that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. You cannot tell someone that God hates you because you're going through a rough patch. You can't say God hates me because this is not working out in my life. No, 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 no. If the blessings fall on both. Come on, stay with me here. So the Bible says this, it says that, excuse me, that God did not, did not desire that anyone ever go to hell. Hell is a choice you make. Your mama, you might want to share it with somebody. Amen. I don't think people understand it because they think that somebody is going to send them yeah, come on. 
Amen. I know some of you invite people to go there. That's probably not a good thing. <laughs> okay, that'll come along tomorrow. <laughs> so the Bible says that he has given us full proof of his love by sending his son to die in our stead. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he was willing to give the best he had so you could have the best he had. Are y'all understanding this? So the Bible says this. It says there are three things about God that we need to understand. God is spirit. God is light and God is love. Now the Bible says this, it says that God is spirit. John chapter four, verse 24, the Bible says God is spirit. Now I know that you read every time you read it, you say God is a spirit. That's not what it says. God is spirit. As a matter of fact, if you read the whole verse, it says and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is spirit and that refers to his very essence. He is not flesh and blood. That's, that's why the Bible tells us that our bodies are not like his, amen. He is a spirit being, amen. So the Bible says because God is a spirit, he is not limited by humanness. That's a problem that we suffer from. Amen. So therefore, he is not restricted by time or space. So God can be an ever present. Yeah. Amen. Secondly, the Bible says God is light. First John chapter. First uh, John chapter. I, I, I looked at it and, and went right out of my head. First John chapter one, verse five. Whew. It says, this is the message that we heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Amen. And I think that sometimes we get confused because we think that just because we reflect some of the light, we have all the light. Amen. There is darkness in you. There is no darkness in him. Can I just stop and tell you, this is the reason that love requires an experience with him because he will stick around and, and as, Bob, as the Bible says, and abide in you till he gets all of the darkness out of you. Can I try that one more time? Because I don't think people understand this, that he is going to work in you till he works it all out. He's not going to stop somewhere in the middle. That's why people get to the place. They say, well, I'm OK. Uh, no, you're not. If you think you're OK, let's try this one. <laughs> new tests brings new testimonies. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter three, verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. And this is why we emphasize behind me, believe God. If you do not believe, the Bible says you are condemned 
already. Amen. I'd like to start everything I do at a point of advantage rather than starting from behind. So if I believe, even if I don't understand, I'm already a step ahead. Come on, y'all stay with me. The Bible goes on to say, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness. And we know that's a fact, don't we? Amen. Rather than light because their deeds were evil. Anytime we want to do dirt, we cut off the lights. For whatever reason, man believes if he can't be seen, then God doesn't know anything about it. <laughs> Let me go one step further. I need to move on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we have been born into his family, we have received his holy nature. And see, the nature of God is, in other words, it's part of my heritage. Whatever my daddy passed on to me in DNA is part of my nature. Now, how that nature is refined and, 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 and how it's manifested, it has a lot to do with me, but it has a lot to do with you. But it always has more to do with God. The Bible goes on to say this in Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse four. It says, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In other words, what the Bible says is that I have the nature of God. I have the very nature of God. One more time, I take you back to the beginning. If you do not experience God, then the character of God will not be developed in you, even though you have the nature. Amen. You can, you can be the greatest, uh, let me use sports, you can be the, the greatest athlete in the world. As a child, you, you are the premier quarterback, and you play little uh, peewee football, and you play uh, high school football, and you play college football, and you are one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But you stop practicing, you stop training, and you start eating. Do I need to finish that? <laughs> you know, 50 pounds later, you're the greatest has been ever. Do we understand that? So you can have the very nature. That's the point I'm trying to make. You have the nature. You, you have everything to make you great, but you still can be a failure. Because there must be that abiding, because you love, because you experience love. And when you've experienced that kind of love, the Bible says you want to continue in that love. And if you continue in that love, that you will grow into the nature. If you grow into the nature, you will be in the likeness of. Amen. So the Bible says the third one here is God is love. This does not mean that love is God. Can I say that for you? Because God is love doesn't mean that love is God. Why is that? Because most of us can't define love properly. And if we don't define it properly, we'll think love is natural 
fleshy and earthly. So we think that that's God. That's not God. Amen. The Bible says that two, the fact that two people uh, love each other does not mean that their love is necessarily holy. Amen. Look, love does not define God, but God defines love. God is love and God is light. Therefore, his love is a holy love and his holiness is expressed in love. So the Bible says that part of the characteristic of love is his holiness. Amen. I'm slowing you down now because we think that love is about a feeling. It's about his holiness. So we think I have to feel something to be in love. Uh, well, you may, but you don't have to. That's important because most of us don't understand that the things that are happening in us, because the, the hardest thing for us is to, to change from fleshy love to godly love in relationship with the same person. Y'all, see, we don't quite understand sometimes that because I feel a certain way about somebody, it still does not mean that it's right. But when I feel a certain way about God, it changes how I feel about the person. Do <laughs> Look at Lamentations chapter 3. The Bible says this in verse 22. It says, through, through the Lord's mercies, uh, we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. His love doesn't fail us. And the Bible says in verse 23, there they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God, because he loves me so much. See, that's why I say it's about being able to forget. God loves me so much that he will allow me to move past my mistakes so I can go on and live another day. Can I tell you that's important? Because if I failed yesterday, I get another shot at it today. And if I fail today, I'm going to get another shot at it tomorrow. Amen. So the Bible says that his mercies are new, what? Every morning. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Bible goes on to tell us this. It says that, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. It says so much that is called love in modern society bears no resemblance to the relationship of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that Christian love is a special kind of love. Now, when I say it's a special kind of love, it's because I will never be able to love you properly until I love him properly. No matter what people say, if I don't love him, can I just tell you all the difference between human love and godly love? The difference is simple, and it's very simple. One is conditional. The other one is unconditional. Can I? One is conditional. The other is what you mean, Pastor? I mean that if it's unconditional love, I'm going to love you no matter, listen, 
how I feel. Because we ain't lovely so, you know, at some time. Hmm? But if I love God, and I love God in you, I'm going to look past your ugliness. Let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. Love, therefore, is a valid test of true Christian faith. Since God is love and we have claimed a personal relationship with God, we must of necessity reveal love and how we live. Okay. We have to be in position to show people that we love God. See, we are so set on how we show each other how we love. But we should be showing, uh, uh, excuse me, show, showing each other how we love them. But we should be showing God's love to them. And there's a difference because if we really love God, there are some things that we would not do. If we really love God, there are some things we will do. Amen. See, uh, I, I always tell people that movie, some of y'all are too young to remember, there was a movie back in the day called Love Story. And the Bible, I mean the Bible, the movies uh, and love story said, uh, love means never having to say you're sorry. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Love means I'm sorry all the time. Come on, brothers, can I get a witness? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> Ain't going to be much love in your life if you don't know how to say I'm sorry. As brothers don't know why this hand is sorry. If your wife ever stopped to say, what you sorry for? I don't know. <laughs> you ain't told me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that I'm sorry though. Try this at home now. I have, I have a certificate. <laughs> John says, Anyone who loves knows God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible speaks of an ongoing knowledge. It means that uh, uh, every day we're getting to know God. Because we, again, we think we've got the market cornered on who God is. But I'm telling you, we don't. Amen. It is a continual growing spiritual knowledge based on actual experience. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Now, that's the truth. Amen. If anybody's ever been saved, you know that's the truth. Amen. So the Bible goes on to say that not only have we been born of God, but we also know God. So the Bible, uh, we use the word no genoso. That, that's the same meaning in uh, Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1 where the Bible says uh, that Adam knew his wife. 
So it's an intimate kind of relationship. We know God intimately, but more importantly, he knows us. That he knows everything that we are. As the Bible says, he knows my frame. So he made me so he knows. Amen. Bible teaches us this then. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, now by this, by this, we know that we know him. By this, we know that we know him. How? If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. So here's what I say. You can't say that you know if you won't do. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the truth is not in the person who says, I know, but I won't do. The church today has adopted this motto that they know, but they won't do. Now, something happened to us, church, several years ago. Now, some, some of you, oh, Lord, help me here. I had to get out of this before I go too far. But let me say this. When the church began to prophesy about men rather than God, yeah. we should have figured out that the balance was off. For the last six years, all of the churches have been prophesying about a man. And his name wasn't God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But that shows that the focus has been off. If there's a word from the Lord, I want it to be about the church, not about a man. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate hearing a word that Brother John's going to be blessed. That's a wonderful thing. But just one person. So God would bless one person in a church and not have the church benefit from that blessing. There's a big world out there. And the world needs blessing. Now, my theology may not be the same as yours, but I can tell you what I believe. And I believe that God's aim, his goal is to, to get as many people saved as possible so he can do kingdom work here in the earth realm. That's what I believe. And just having a few uh, privileged people being blessed is not the end. That is not the goal. Uh, remember where he, come on, it's Christmas. He was born in a manger, in a lowly stable. He didn't come. We might have had a different idea about who God is if he allowed the Savior to be born in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> okay, I got to get away from that. The Bible says this, where was that? First John chapter 2, uh, verse 3. Okay, verse 4 says, He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. There's a lie, a lot, a lot of lie. Uh, verse 5, uh, but whoever keeps his word, whoever keeps his word, Truly, the love of God is perfected in him by this. By this, we know that we are in him. 
Amen. Every time you start to have a fit of carnality, every time you start to feel uh, like talking ugly to somebody, making a little snide remark or, or, or snubbing somebody in the way you look or roll your eyes or whatever, every time you do that, if you are in Christ, you should be convicted. Every, not, not every night, but every time. And why is this? Because each time it happens to you, when you are convicted, you repent, you grow. And you become more like him. Because he wouldn't say that or he wouldn't do that. Are, are y'all with me here? <clears throat> oh. So the Bible goes on and teaches this. We understand that he, the person who does not love does not know God. Now, in this light, it's because many unsaved people love their families and even sacrifice for them. Amen. And some of these same people have the same kind of intellectual understanding of God that you do. The one thing that's different, what is it that they lack? Why is it different? The Bible says they lack a personal experience with God. Now, listen to me. The church is full of people who have an intellectual understanding of God. They read the Bible. They study it. They, they go through it cover to cover, and they think they know God, but they never had a personal experience with God. In other words, what God did to them or for them or through them never changed them. It may have changed the way they viewed God, but they never were changed by God. Uh, and because they were never changed by God, that means that it's like everything else. I think we understand this. All of us have lived long enough that when you are put under stress, the real you always comes out. Do you understand that? And anything you do, the real you will pop out if enough stress is applied to your life. So we don't need to know what you look like up in here. Because <laughs> you can hallelujah and praise. That's all right. But we need to know what you're going to do when the doctor says, I can't do anything else for you. Call your family. This is it. And at that point in time, We'll see who the real you is. Somebody say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, what do you mean? Am I preparing to see the king? Or am I preparing to be separated from my family physically? And what's amazing is that the Bible talks about the transformation. And he says it's the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what most unsaved people do before they leave here. Do you understand? Personal relationship with God. Let me tell you a story. Two young children had a genetic disease. A little boy but at four years old uh, had a blood transfusion from a family member. And he recovered. At age six, his sister had the same disease. 
And the doctor asked the four-year-old, because he had recovered, he said, uh, asked the uh, seven-year-old, because the four, he was four years old when he recovered, but at seven years old, at seven years old, he asked him, he said, uh, will you give your sister some of your blood so she can be healed? The little boy thought for a moment. And he said, okay, all right. He said, I'll give her some of my blood. They took him in side by side, beds together. And as they began the transfusion, the story goes that the boy's blood began to flow into the girl and said her color began to change and she began to look healthy. He said almost immediately it began to change. The little boy then looked at the doctor and he said, doctor, is this where I die? And the doctor said, what? He said, well, I've given away all my blood. I know I'm going to die. This was the first time the doctor understood that the boy thought that by giving his blood to his sister, he would have to give his life. That's love. That's love. See, it's demonstrated in a child because a child understands what giving really means. Amen. Now, of course, you all are adults. You understood that a transfusion doesn't mean you're going to die. But the child thought that this was the end. Amen. And see, when we have this personal relationship with God, we understand that Jesus gave us a transfusion at the point that we needed the most. Amen. And he gave us a transfusion so that we could live and be able to give that same transfusion to someone else. Amen. Back to my message now. There's a lot of word that resides in folks' heads, but most of it never gets to the heart. We know so much stuff. I'm sometimes bothered by people in church because they're so well-versed. Amen. Listen, listen, listen. I love this congregation because you are so well-versed, you even have the audacity to challenge me. I ain't hear a word. But the fact of the matter is, I don't, I'm, I'm not here to have a contest with you to see what you know that I don't know. Let me tell you something. There are 66 books in this Bible. And if you ask me if I can tell you what each one says, I would tell you no. Not on my best day. Nor am I going to try. That's like having food in the refrigerator and saying I'm hungry, but I won't go to the refrigerator. This is, this, this is the, the grocery store. If I'm hungry, I go eat here. So I don't need you to challenge me. <laughs> I tell people quite often, I ain't, I ain't, listen, I'm not studying for, for every person, for every day, for 365 days. You understand that, right? Well, Pastor, you said back on July 14th. 
And what did you say on July 4th, 15th? I mean, You have an advantage because you write it down. <laughs> Only those who have experienced a new birth are able to have this kind of loving relationship that we're talking about. According to John 1, verses 12 and 13, here's what the Bible says. But as many, verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So what is he saying? He's saying that this relationship, this loving relationship that God has given us, has given us, <clears throat> is not the result of heritage. You can't inherit the love of God from your family. It cannot be done by human will. This is what the Bible says. The Bible goes on to tell us that it is not the result of human planning. You know, a lot of people have already determined that I'm going to get saved after I. Yeah. Come on, if it ain't you, it's somebody in your family. Well, Pastor, there's so much stuff I hadn't done yet. And I would hate to tell you all this. <laughs> if you haven't done it, it may be a reason why. <laughs> this kind of love is a gift from God. Amen. The Bible says that this salvation, this love of God, is God's gift to us. You can't do anything to will it so. It has to be received. Amen. Now, let me see if I can bring this thing to a close. A person who claims he knows God and is living in union with God must be personally affected by that relationship. If I am in Christ, I should be Christ-like. One more time. If I am in Christ, I should be Christ-like. And if my demeanor does not show my Christ-likeness, I'm not in union with God. Amen? I should be affected by my relationship. The same way I'm affected by my relationship with my wife. I'm affected by that relationship. That's why I will repeat certain things she says or she'll repeat certain things I say because we are affected by the closeness of the relationship. Amen. Thank God she don't repeat some of this stuff to y'all because y'all be calling me names. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> ain't, nobody, ain't nobody laughing but the wires, right? <laughs> a Christian, listen now, it's serious now. A Christian ought to become what God is, and God is love. As a Christian, we should become what God is, and God is love. Now, what is it that determines what we ought to be? 
John chapter, First John chapter 4, verse 17. Here's what the Bible says. Love has been perfected among us in this. Perfected among us. It has matured, has grown up in us. He says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. Wait a minute. He, did he say in heaven? No. Our love should be perfected to the degree that we look like God looks here on earth. Are y'all seeing this? And so many times people can't tell who you are until you start quoting a bunch of scriptures. And that ought not be so. So then the Bible says that love is another evidence of our fellowship with God and of our sonship with God, our sonship. We're born of God, born of God. You know what sonship means? It means that I have a daddy. I was born of God. Amen? So our experience with God is not a once-for-all kind of experience, but it is a daily experience of getting to know him better every day. So, let me say this to you in closing. If I'm not more loving, if I'm not more compassionate, if I'm not more caring today than I was yesterday, then apparently I must have made a wrong turn at some place. Yes. So I'm talking to people that may have gotten confused. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that sometimes it's like with the GPS. There are some times when the thing will say, calculating new route. Sometimes you made the wrong turn. It's the machine. It's kind because it doesn't say, Hey, stupid, you should have turned there. It doesn't say that. Perhaps it should. But it says, recalculating. When your love starts to grow cold, you should hear that in your head. Recalculating, recalculating. How do I recalculate? Listen to me. The Bible says that when you have missed that turn, when something is off, when you cannot love the way you are supposed to love, repent. Make a turn. Repent. Go back. See, the one thing about love is that before we move on, we need to find the place we missed the turn. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that if you have abused the privilege of love, go back to the person, the place where you abused it. Make amends and then move on. 
when you get the route calculated properly, you'll always reach the right destination. What's the right destination? That's the key right there. The Bible says, love one another. Love one another. Now, we like to say love everybody. Everybody thinks that's impossible. It's not. It is possible to love everybody. How do I know that? Because when character of God is perfected, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that through him that none of us would perish unless we chose to do so. So this morning, you have a savior. You have a personal relationship. The only reason you can't love unconditionally today is you missed a turn somewhere. Go back. Fix it. Change it. And when you fix it, the Bible says, continue to love one another. Amen? Stand up on your feet. Let's pray together. First John 1 and 9 says that we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just. The Bible says to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you will agree with me today that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, his love is his crowning glory. And if you have found yourself lacking this morning, you've come up just a little bit short, you have less than a full tank, then I need you to repeat this first John. I confess my sins because I know that you love me and that you are willing to forgive me for having gone back on your love. But now I confess that I love you more than my circumstance. And therefore, I believe that you have forgiven me. You have exonerated me and made me whole so I can love completely. Father, I thank you for those who are confessing this morning, those who are confessing around the world. I believe, God, that even as you receive their confession this morning, that you are able to bind us and knit us together as one body.
whole, complete, and lacking nothing. I thank you, God, for the fullness of your love so that I can be the brother that you've called me to be, the sister that they've been called to be. God, I thank you for being one with you. Being able to so forth the very character and nature of who you are. And I give you praise for it. Make us whole in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. There are times when we must do an inventory. You know, a lot of companies right now, at the end of the year, they start to inventory, see what they got what they don't have, what's missing. Come on, what they need to restock. It's the same way with your spiritual walk. There's a time, every time we come to the end of a calendar year, you should do an inventory, a spiritual inventory. See what's missing. Where'd you miss it? What's wrong? Come on, see what you got. You know, am I working with something here? And then see what you need. And then Make sure you start to put your order in early enough. You know, things are now, takes a long time to get stuff. <laughs> Thank God that God, uh, God's not bothered by COVID. So he, if you put your order in, I think he'll get it to you early enough. But put in your order, order now so that you can, you can start your new year off with the right stuff, that you have the right attitude, that you have the right spirit, that your heart is open that you, you're able to love and that you're able to give and you're love, able to serve, that's important. So take an inventory and see where you are and then fix whatever is lacking. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's prepare our hearts for an offering. Fetch the first fruits. I've come into the land which you have given me for an inheritance. <clears throat> first fruits of all my increase. First fruits of this land. Every good thing that you, Lord God, my household, the pastors, the strangers, and the visitors among us. Yes.
I don't have much to say as usual. I just want to encourage you guys to continue to be safe. Don't go every place and don't hang in crowds. Keep yourself so the Lord can be blessed through you. You don't want to test God just because you're saved and say, I know that God is providing protection. Yes, he's protecting you, but you don't want to do what man's saying not to do because you violate man's law. You're already in trouble with God because he expects us to honor man's law first. And our governor has put some things in place. And if at any time some people get um, asked to be tested as a result of the type of work they do on a continual basis, if that happens and you have to be tested, find out the results before you come in because you don't want you don't know. You don't want to bring something in an environment of this nature. It'll be okay if you stay home and look at it virtually on your YouTube or Facebook. So let's practice the right thing. And remember, keep your foundation. Repentance is a very everyday, everyday, everyday part of that foundation. Keep that in place. For Mo's family. Brother Mo, mother's passed on Christmas Day, y'all. Y'all need to pray for the family. He's in New Jersey. Um, he needs your prayers, okay? All right, thank you. Just like today, Jesus.